0: Today in Science, from Wired. The Little Bang Helping Physicists Study the Infant Universe By creating an early state of matter called the quark-gluon plasma, scientists hope to understand the conditions that made the universe what it is today. By Katrina Miller Our universe started with a bang that blasted everything into existence. But what happened next is a mystery. Scientists think that before atoms formed, or even the protons and neutrons they're made of, there was probably a hot, soupy mix of two elementary particles called quarks and gluons turning through space as plasma. And because no one was around to observe the first moments of the cosmos, a coalition of researchers is trying to rerun history. Using the Relativistic Heavy Ion Collider at Brookhaven National Laboratory, they have essentially created a little bang and are using it to probe the properties of that quark-gluon plasma. The findings will help cosmologists refine their still-fuzzy picture of the early universe and how the oozy, blistering state of infant matter cooled and coalesced into the planets, stars, and galaxies of today. Scientists aren't sure how long this plasma stage lasted. It could have been anywhere from a few seconds to thousands of years. It might even still exist today, in the dense cores of neutron stars. Or get made when super-high-energy particles crash into Earth's atmosphere. So learning about its properties could help characterize the physics of the most extreme cosmic environments. These early days of the universe are impossible to study with telescopes, which can only reach as far back as the cosmic microwave background, the first light that emerged from the dense early universe 100,000 years after the Big Bang. Everything before that is both literally and figuratively a dark era of cosmology. Theoretical simulations can help fill that gap, says Jackie naranja Hostler, a nuclear physicist at the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign, but detectors like star allow you to experimentally understand a system that's very similar to the Big Bang. In addition, quarks and gluons are never found solo in nature, making it difficult to study them in isolation. We can't just pluck one out and examine it, says Helen Keynes, a physicist at Yale University and spokesperson for the star experiment. Instead, they're stuck in composite states, protons, neutrons, and more exotic matter like epsilons, pions, and kaons. But at high enough temperatures, the boundaries between these composite particles begin to blur. And that is the quark-gluon plasma, Keynes says. They're still confined to some volume, but the quarks and gluons within this space are no longer fused together. In fact, she says plasma might be a bit of a misnomer because it actually behaves more like a fluid in that it flows. In March, scientists at Brookhaven reported in physical review letters that they were able to generate the quark-gluon plasma for a brief blip in time by accelerating two beams of gold nuclei close to the speed of light, then smashing them into each other. Then came the clever bit. They used this collision to calculate how hot the post-Big Bang plasma would have been. To do this, they needed to look for upsilons, which weren't actually present at the beginning of the universe, but are a byproduct of the Brookhaven beam collisions, Upsilons are comprised of a quark and its antimatter twin bound together in one of three configurations, a tightly tethered ground state and two excited states, one looser than the other. Slamming the gold nuclei together produces a slew of them in each of these three states. The idea is to use these particles as a thermometer, Keynes says. A plasma like the one that theoretically existed microseconds after the Big Bang can rip these upsilons apart. Interactions with the free quarks and gluons melt them down to their most basic elements, and each state has its own melting point. Ground state epsilons would need the most energy, the hottest temperatures, to fall apart, and the more loosely bound quark antiquark pairs would need less. So, recreating post bang plasma conditions, then counting how many epsilons of each state survived, would reveal what the temperature was in those first moments of the universe. That, in turn, would tell physicists about other properties of the quark-gluon plasma, because its temperature is intrinsically linked to its density, pressure, and viscosity. Ultimately, scientists want to be able to solve what they call an equation of state, a mathematical expression describing all of the plasma's properties, how they influence each other, and how they evolve with time. Combining past melting measurements with their newly collected data, the star team determined a lower limit on the temperature needed to make the plasma, at least a trillion degrees. That's almost a million times more sizzling than the center of the sun. Their atom smashing had managed to achieve this temperature for an incredibly brief 10 to the 23rd of a second. The STAR team is gearing up to redo their Upsilon measurement at Brookhaven with about 20 times more data, which will help nail down whether the particles with the most loosely bound quark-anti-quark pair truly vanished or just survived at rates too low to be detected. A different detector called SPHENIX will also turn on at the lab within the next month. The thousand-ton instrument, built around an ultra-cold superconducting magnet core, will be able to investigate this melting effect with even higher precision. This star paper had hundreds of epsilons, says Morrison, who is a spokesperson for this Phoenix collaboration. We'll be measuring tens of thousands. Ultimately, epsilons are only one part of the puzzle when trying to understand the properties of the quark-gluon plasma, Ma says. Physicists can also look for individual quark collisions, study photons emanating from the plasma, or try to figure out the types and production rates of other particles resulting from the gold nuclei blasts. These different types of measurements will help physicists connect phenomena they understand into explanations for what they don't. We try to put all these together using a multi-messenger approach to build a full picture of the quark-gluon plasma, Ma says, for a theory that can explain everything. Like what you learned? Subscribe everywhere you listen to podcasts and get more science news at wired.com/science.